0: Alrighty, I want to personally welcome you out today to a brand new episode of I am Salt Lake Podcast. For those of you that are new here, I'm the host. My name is Chris Hollifield and I'm a real estate agent here in the Salt Lake City area. And today on episode 555, I get a chat with graphic designer Dave Arcade. Uh, we get to talk about what got him interested in graphic design work, where he finds inspiration, companies he has worked for. And of course, we even talk about what Dave loves about living in Utah. But before we do that, like I mentioned at the very start, I'm a real estate agent here in the Salt Lake City area. So if you're thinking of moving to the area or possibly just moving across town, maybe you have some questions or maybe you're not moving, but you know someone who else who needs a real estate agent. Give me a call. Shoot me a text. I'd love to answer any questions that you might have. Uh, My direct cell phone number is 801-244-2908. And hey, if you just want to text me, say hello. That's cool too, you guys. All right, like I said, Dave Arcade is on this episode. Such a fun conversation. So cool to get to know him better. Let's get into that conversation. Enjoy. So Dave, I want to start with you. I want to get into the graphic design and all of your art and all of that stuff that you're doing but what's been bringing joy to your life lately, just in general? But uh, I'm curious, what's, what's been bringing joy to your life, man?
1: Um, that's, that's funny that you ask right now, because I, I uh, pride myself on honesty and, and directness even to awkward levels. And I, I have not been as depressed as I have been for the past four months ever. So this has actually been like a really difficult time but it's also like kind of a, a new time in my, <laughs> you're like, Oh, great. Like, thanks Dave. Um, but it's also kind of been a, uh, it's because I'm making huge changes in my life. Um, that uh, they're, they're not, those things are, they're, they're a tad personal, but just know that they're like big, big changes. And, uh, but it's been really hard, but what, what has come of that, is I've really people lean on their families anyway, like all the time that's what they're there for but my my sons um and my wife have been uh like really supportive and we've been doing fun stuff and they've been uh they've they've been like the the thing that's kind of get me through it, so I know that's like not the most fun answer like what's been bringing you joy and I can get into some other things there's there's always many things that bring me. Um, little joys like guitar pedals, somebody like there's artists that I discover that I'm just like, Oh my gosh, like, and I'll go look at their art every day. But yeah, it's been, it's actually been a really tough time. Mm-hmm. And there's just been these like streams of light kind of poking through the clouds that, uh, that I've been really grateful for these days. And so, yeah, family's one of them. And, and my, my, like I have a son who just turned 18 And so he's like going to be leaving home, but he just started a band and I just bought him a guitar for graduation. And, and that's just been a really fun, like new experience, like letting him be an adult, right? Like it was, it was hard for a few weeks.
0: That's beautiful, man. That, you know, honestly, uh, a a tear is almost coming to my eye. I mean, and and I, out of sincerity, (laughs) I mean, it just goes to show the strength of a supportive partner right? Uh, and and, and supportive family and supportive people in your life, uh, with whatever obstacles you're going through in life. And, uh, I I could see how that could bring you joy.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. And it's, it's kind of, you you have to, you can always look, you look at the road that you've, you've tread, um, with like, you know, perfect vision, right? Like hindsight's 2020. And so that's why I'm like, well, yeah, of course family brings, but Before I kind of was going through this stuff there, one could say I was maybe taking these things for granted a little bit, you know, I mean, I've been a family man for a long time. And so if that's the trade-off to like get a new perspective on the people that I love the most, then it's, I would do it 10 out of 10 times, you know,
0: what or who got you interested in graphic design to kind of, uh, jump forward a little bit into, uh, you know, what you're currently involved in and what you currently do. Uh, how did that come about for you?
1: That's a funny question uh, because it, it was so uh, not planned out. I had uh, met my wife back in in two thousand, and I got her to agree to marry me. And <laughs> we, she was she was in California, I was in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and we were on the phone. And uh, she's like, "So, <laughs> how are you going to support me? Like, I I know you're an artist, but." Uh, Like, what, what's the, we're finally having that conversation. And I was like, I don't know. She's like, well, she's an educator. So she's, she's smart. And she's like, well, maybe you start with art school. And there's a guy named, uh, I think I just talked about this on, on our podcast recently. There was a guy named uh, Parker Jacobs, who's actually his brother is the lead singer of the Aquabats. And he helped, he was the art director on the show called The Ogabba Gabba, really talented guy. Who um, was at the time working at Paul Frank and Rachel, my wife, like put the phone down. And I could hear her say she was at some event where no, Parker was there, and she's like, "Parker, what do you do again?" And he's like, "I'm a graphic designer for, for uh, uh, Paul Frank." And she's like, "What about graphic design?" And I was like, Oh, "Okay, I don't know what those guys do." She's like, "Parker, what do you do?" He's like, "I, I draw pictures, I make uh, images and stuff." I was like, "Okay, that sounds cool." So we got married, moved to California, and I uh, enrolled at the Art Institute of Orange County and uh, got a degree in graphic design. Because based on that conversation,
0: interesting. So, I mean, were you as a young kid? I mean, a lot of artists that I've talked to on the podcast, I mean, they were they were finding themselves as as a young kid, uh, you know, always drawing and stuff. Is that is that the kind of, was that the case for you or or n- not so much?
1: No, definitely. Yeah. I remember my mom still has a picture that I drew when I was two of, uh, it's just an oval with a bunch of lines underneath it. And it was a cockroach based on a memory I had of when we moved to California and my uncle, um, picking up my sister, his niece and holding her over the bathtub, which had a huge cockroach in it and her screaming and being two, I, I it's my earliest memory. Um, uh, I, I just, I, I felt, uh, I think it was the first time I was like, I don't like what's going on here. But he was kidding, but I don't think a two year old knows, like sarcasm. So, so my mom said that uh, I, I, at some point that week, I got a little piece of paper out and drew this oval with a bunch of legs. And she, yeah. So uh, that was, uh, you know, and I've been drawing ever since, but being an 80s kid, I, I drew a lot of uh, battle scenes between like Voltron fighting Han Solos, like uh, Entourage or whatever. I would just like combined genres and, I drew a lot of gnarly stuff and a lot of like big muscles. It's funny looking back being a kid from the 80s, how many glossy muscles there were in movies, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Like old He-Man cartoons, right? Like old – Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting you say that because I was actually going to ask you, you know, where do you think – like, you know, how would you – Mr. Quay, how would you describe your style of art, right? You were talking about 80s and stuff and and I mm-hmm. definitely see a lot of 80s inspiration in your art. Yeah. I mean, would you yeah, say sure. would you say that's the case? Do you, do you, so you do get a lot of inspiration from 80s cartoons?
1: Uh I do I do my my inspiration is I'm still It's funny as as uh it's kind of just people are about my work and I really appreciate like when somebody loves it <laughs> I haven't been able To fully press all of my influences through the filter yet but it it did start with 80s stuff but even in my bio on my representation side i say that i stake like no claim or i'm not a disciple of the retro wave movement which is in short like uh there's a guy named signal noise who, who basically started it and uh it's like laser grids and and gradient suns and pink and and bright pink and and yellow i love those colors but I'm more like Chuck Jones, um, Looney Tunes, Popeye, um, and then I had like real artistic influences like uh, not those guys aren't real art. Max Fleischer, who who's you know made the Popeye cartoons. Um, That's kind of when I say 80s, it's like those Scooby Doo, like those old like 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s cartoons that they were still recycling and putting in front of us when we were kids, like He-Man for sure. And all that stuff. But when I'd watch Hanna-Barbera, I was like, I don't know how to draw realistically because all that stuff was like anatomically correct. I liked, you know, how, how Popeye just had this tube for where his bicep was. And then these huge ovals for forearms. So I was drawing stuff like that. But then my, my real influences were like Dolly, Magritte and uh, MC Escher. And I'm still trying to like, I feel like the Max Fleischer and Chuck Jones stuff has definitely come through the Looney Tunes. And now I'm just finally getting around to the surrealism that I love so much, but that's how style works. Like you, the colors from the eighties though, just to, you know, kind of bring it around to your question. um, I pride myself and my style on trying to pull like the nostalgia of uh, eighties color palettes into my work. I would say that's where I have common ground with, kind of the retro wave movement, but um, my content and my aesthetic doesn't, doesn't match, but yeah, color palettes, definitely nostalgic. And even the way I draw characters has this callback to the eighties, even if it's a little bit indirect.
0: Now, where, where's home for you? Where did you grow up? So it's weird. I've had a kind of a split childhood. I grew up
1: in Sandy, Utah, Ten years, nineteen eighty to nineteen ninety, and then when I was a teenager, the worst possible time—five days before I started high school, my parents moved to, uh, the family to Albuquerque, New Mexico. Oh
0: wow! Yeah, it Wait, was wait how, Right before you wait before you graduated, you said no.
1: Right before I started. Oh, before you started because, high.
0: Okay, okay.
1: Yeah, I was like at Butler Middle School. Do you remember Butler?
0: Uh, n not really, but
1: uh... yeah, it's Conwood Heights. Okay, Conwood oh. Heights. Sorry which was like, you know, the, the, the yuppieville in the eighties. And uh, so I went from there to starting high school in Albuquerque and that was the nineties when like things got rough. Like with, remember when, when art started to imitate life with like gangster rap and stuff.
0: Oh yeah. Like
1: boys in the hood came out, like living in Albuquerque at that time, it was, you'd go to a party and like you would just see people with guns, like sticking out of their pants and it was crazy, um, <laughs> so I'm like this Utah kid, just like um, oh, trying to to navigate that. But yeah, I stayed there until uh, um, my my twenties, and then I I met my wife, lived in Huntington Beach, California for eight years, and then we moved back to Utah in 2010. And I now I'm in Daybreak. Don't make fun of me.
0: No, no, I'm not making it. It's my uh, shoot, my uh, my office isn't too far from uh, from daybreak. So no, not make I think daybreak's a beautiful area, to be honest with you. I don't think daybreak gets enough credit. Totally. Um, I agree. That it, I it's uh, fun. now, so I'm um, okay. So, I mean, this kind of goes back to, I mean, you've lived in a few different places, you've traveled uh, a few different places, and this is kind of the, the big thing right now where people are realizing, Hey, I can work, Remotely, I can live anywhere yeah. I want, and I can work remotely. I'm sure that is that the case with with what you have going on, right? You could virtually live anywhere you want,
1: yeah, and, and do what totally. you're doing totally and if if my wife she got she got Teacher of the year in the Jordan School District this year, and if she wasn't so damn good at what she did, I'd be like, let's just go to Switzerland or like Berlin. let's just like let's leave. I can go anywhere. I really could." but I want to, I'd like to consider myself an OG in that category. Cause, uh, I, I was working at, uh, struck, which I think is, you know, arguably the, the best agency in Salt Lake up until 2017. And then, um, I went, went on my own cause I wasn't satisfied and they weren't satisfied with me. And so parted ways. And, uh, that's when I was like, you know what, I was an art director there. And I was like, I want to be an illustrator. Like, that's what I want to be. So, so I've been working from home and remotely since September of 2017, um, and and now now everyone's like, wait, I can work from home, and which is awesome.
0: So you've been working, I mean, since 2007, before it was even uh, a cool thing to do. Then, <laughs> yeah, totally. That's that's uh, I invented it. <laughs> do you do you find it tough? I mean, do you have to be? Are are you a? Uh, um... A self-disciplined person to be able to work from home. I mean, some pe- some people, uh, you know, and including myself, I found those times where uh, you say you're going to work from home, and then you end up. Oh, I'll just do this, and I'll just watch this one show, and I'll just, you know, yep. I'm just going to trim my my toenails now, and now I'm going to wash my hair, and now I'm going to make some sourdough bread, and. Yeah, you know, I mean, do you do you find yourself in similar situations, or or are you pretty uh, strict and regimen type of person?
1: Uh, it's, no, I'm, I'm not. That's why I laughed when he asked me because if if you knew me, like, you totally wouldn't have been able to get through the question. Um, you've been like, yeah, I know, Dave. I'm I'm a space case, and uh, the depression I was talking about over the past four months has a lot to do with like finally being sick of of having to fight the battle of, because you've seen my style. It's like really complex, having to fight the battle, of like getting that done as my day job. And also like, Dave, get up, man, like freaking get to work. And it used to be okay with me when I first started because I was like, this is great. I don't have a boss. I can make my own hours. But recently I'm, I've just, I've kind of lamented that I've let myself keep this loosey goosey schedule. And they say creative people need that. But I find it's funny, I find myself envying, and, I, and this is something ever since, I don't know, So a few, for a few years, envying the really buttoned up, self-disciplined, keeping a schedule kind of person, because how nice that would be to depend on myself to wake up at the same time every single day, get to work and then be done at the same time. I can't really depend on myself to do that, but I will say, just so your listeners aren't like, wow, he sounds really lazy. I've made giant strides over the years and I'm just frustrated. I haven't been able to get over that final hump. So I guess I'm a mix of both. Like I've, I've come a long way, but I'm definitely at the school of let's clip the toenails and make some sourdough bread and watch another episode.
0: <laughs> One more episode on Netflix, right? No, One that's, more. That's good that you've recognized that. And you realize that that's something you need to work on. Some people don't even recognize that. Yeah, and, um, I,
1: I do feel lucky in the self awareness category for sure.
0: Yeah. Now on your website, I mean, it, it. I mean, some of the brands that it says that you've done work for. I mean, uh, Adobe, Disney, Activision, Discovery, Nickelodeon. I mean, I, yeah. it, talk about. I mean, some of the work that you've done for some of these brands. I mean, is it? Is it just freelance stuff that you're doing? Or I mean, are, do you have one uh, major brand that you're working for right now? Or is it just kind of a bunch of little projects?
1: No, that's a great question. It's uh, you know, the, the life of a freelancer is kind of a mystery because um it's like, yeah, where does this work come from? Um in 2018, I believe it was 2018, I got I got represented by an artist agency called Closer and Closer, um, that is uh founded by a, a really brilliant fella named Drew Melton, who's kind of a personal mentor of mine. And was one of the guys that got me to be like, Dave, you gotta. Keep a schedule, you gotta freaking get going. You gotta hate your deadlines. Like he he helped me tremendously in that category. I gotta give him a shout out for sure. Um, and what these guys do, and this kind of solves up that mystery of like what do what do illustrators do for a living? They they spend a lot on marketing us and talking to clients and getting in front of clients. And he even has like uh some some clients are not necessarily on retainer, but like Facebook and Pepsi and Disney. And Apple, they really like us. And they come back um and they'll like work with one artist and get a project done and then come back and choose another one. And it's great for them because they don't have to go through that that uh hurdle of like where do I even freaking find artists? I don't want to jump on Instagram and just get lucky or throw a dart. So um so those brands, those those a lot of those jobs come through closer and closer. Um I do, I mean, I just said that they don't want to do it, but I do get found on, on places like Behance and Instagram. And, uh, I don't really have like, a, a client that I, I mean, you can have clients that you do work for, um, where they just keep coming back to you f- for something. But, um, as a designer, that's a little more like, that's a little more common. Like if you, if you make a logo and then you design the website and then you kind of are the keeper of the brand, they'll, they'll come back to you for however long they need to. As an illustrator, you're kind of doing, um, one-off projects you know like the art director has a look for a campaign and it's like cool that Dave Arcade fits that and they'll call me up and they might they might want to work with me again but the idea has to align whereas you know the designer you're you're the keeper of the brand so it is kind of like um it is kind of like starting from reinventing the wheel like you start a project and finish it and then you just kind of hope for the best you put stuff out there on your socials and then somebody calls you up But, uh, so yeah, to answer your question, it's a lot of little projects or not, they're not necessarily little, it's just a lot of different projects and you're always going to get called for a different reason.
0: What do you think it takes to be a good artist? I mean, do you, do you think, yeah. I mean, what do you think it takes to be a good artist?
1: Man, that's, that's a good question that I don't get asked often enough. You have to know, you have to know why you're doing what you're doing. Mm. Like a lot of artists are like. I don't have a style yet. And it's like, oh man, you're, that's fine. That's, that's, I remember being that guy, but you have to, there has to be something that kicks you in the ass, right? And, and you, you start to, let's just talk about illustration, even though this applies to being a guitarist or a painter or a poet, you, you have to have a place like in your soul that kind of stirs for something. And that thing, you have to know what it is. Um, Mine is simple. Um, I am here doing what I'm doing to make what I think is cool in a world full of things that aren't very cool. And it's kind of a competition for me. Like I don't, I want to be, <laughs> this is messed up, but I want to be the, the spirit breaker of younger artists who look at my work and they're like, man, this is so freaking good. Cause that happens, right? Like it still happens to me. Like when I look at orator who it's orator on Instagram, look at his work. It's amazing or Mark Maggiore who paints the greatest old West scenes of all time and the best clouds of all time. Those guys break my spirit, but I kind of want to be that guy where I'm just like, I'm really into my craft and I, and I want to bring these really kick-ass, fun, imaginative images into the world and whatever, however that manifests itself. Um, And, uh, and so you got to know why you're doing what you're doing and, you have to be you have to be prolific especially in this day and age you can't be like edward hopper who freaking plan out his paintings for like eight months and then be like cool guys i made a painting it's like cool you made three paintings this year you've made 10 paintings in the past five years it doesn't really cut it anymore so you have to be putting your stuff out there often so i guess the first thing is you have to have a voice you have to be prolific and uh I think you, and then the the third thing, the the key ingredient is something I'm still searching for, man. And I admire artists who have this, and that is bravery. Like you have to, you can't just, you can't be a good artist and just go down the middle. If you got something to say, no matter what it is, even if it's not political, like it still has to be honest. There's a guy on Instagram called the High Road, who probably holds the record for drawing like. The most penises ever on my Instagram <laughs> account. And it's, it's like really like, like third grade humor type of stuff. He has 100,000 followers because he's not trying to like be the next Salvador Dolly. He's like, look, man, I like drawn wieners and I like, I like uh, poop and pee jokes, but at least he's being honest. And, and, it, and that's what it takes is, is if you have kind of a voice and a style. That really means nothing if you don't have a a place, a point of view on something to say. So you've got to have something to say.
0: But is that tough? Because I know that Mm -hmm. that was tough even for myself. Like, let's say this podcast, for example, right? Where you're like, you know, especially in the beginning, uh, you know, you wonder, is this going to chase people away? Is this going to scare, you know, am I going to lose half of my audience? Uh, you know, if you if you are drawing pictures of, of wieners and and stuff like that, you're 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 gonna you know you're gonna turn some people off. For sure. You as an artist is 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 stepping outside the box, is that hard for you still? Or have you gotten to the point where you're like, yeah, you know, screw it. I am who I am.
1: Uh, it's still hard for me. Um I'm trying to figure it out. I started a piece recently. There's been a thorn in my side that I could identify it's the age of the internet and I'm going to sound like I'm 90 years old right now. <laughs> uh, I'm, I, I'm not, uh, pol- I'm not driven by politics. I don't care about the right or the left. Um, to me it was a huge interruption in, in my life and everybody else's life. And I was reflecting on that the other day and I started a piece, um, <laughs> it's just kind of a, like a little hand grenade at everybody, right? And which isn't like the smartest thing. I haven't finished it. I don't even know. I, I'm kind of I, I'm busy on on um, commercial work, but it's been satisfying. It's cryptic. If you saw it, you would be like, "Well, Dave, this doesn't exactly seem like a hand grenade here." But I like that. I'm <laughs> I like being passive aggressive in the things that I. I'm saying that pissed me off. Um, I'm a sarcastic person through, your, so art, that comes, you
0: mean, through your art through your art, through my art,
1: through my okay. art. Yeah. Yeah. If something makes if something makes me mad. Well, even in life, if, if somebody says something really stupid or, or offensive or whatever, I'm not going to be like, that is really offensive. I'm going to be like, dude, you should get that made into a t-shirt. That's a cool idea. You know, I'd be the guy that, Oh, you think so until they know I'm kidding. And they're like, Oh, you're just messing with me. Like, yeah, you're a jackass. So um, I I can't help but bring that into my my art a little bit, and so so I don't think it's the place I want to go, but I wanted to explore it. I honestly think that there's a place for artists, and this is where I keep finding myself, um, especially after I make pieces where I'm trying to say something. I keep finding myself in the uh, like again like the the Salvador Dali and M C Escher school of thought, which is kind of surreal even even when they were saying something they're more interested in the depths of imagination and what's possible in their medium where they can like bend rules and bend minds than i am um in saying something and though that is not like a brave leap into the the world of politics or religion or whatever i think it's a very it's a huge risk for the artist because if you don't find those roads, those imaginative roads, if you don't find um, – it's a, it's a much tougher road to find. It's a much tougher thing to hone in on. If you don't find it, um, you kind of just come off as a hack. And so it, it takes its own level of, of bravery and courage to say, I'm going to be the guy that will blow your mind a little bit.
0: And I want to be that guy. I love it. I have some uh, standard Salt Lake City questions that I ask everybody that comes through the show here, Dave. So, of course, we have to ask you. Um, People visit us from time to time, right? They come to the area and they're, you know, maybe from California or East Coast, wherever. And they're like, show us around. Give me a tour of the valley, of the area. I mean, is there one or two places that you have to take people to to show them i mean just to give you an example i mean some people say like the temple some people say park city some people have said you know the great salt lake or antelope island do you have one or two places that are on a must show tour utah lake for sure no i'm just kidding okay no i'm kidding (laughs) hey you know some people like it (laughs) some people like it i guess i I have a
1: we we shot a tv commercial there when i was at struck years ago and i was like man this place sucks. But there's, no, <laughs> there's a lot of bugs, and then it, this lake is mud because it's only four feet deep. And, um, but I actually, I should give Utah Lake a hard time. I actually kind of like where it's located. I think it's fun. Um, so, <laughs> look, man you you drive up Little Cottonwood or Big Cottonwood Canyon, and your mind is going to get blown. Like it's it's those those places getting close to our mountains is fantastic. I I would really like. I'm kind of a high maintenance, I think, when it, when it comes to to this list. Uh, we had the Utah Office of Tourism account at Struck. And so we, you know, like that covered the national parks and, and all this stuff. And so you got to go south, right? Like you got to go see, you got to go to Moab.
0: Yeah, you got to see and some of these parks. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like I think those places are so fantastic. You got to go to Goblin Valley. Like If you don't go to Goblin Valley when you're in Utah, you really are missing out because it's it's one of the strangest places on earth. You know, canyon lands where you're just like walking around on these paths surrounded by cliffs. Just go to any edge and you're going to be looking off, you know, into just miles of beautiful wild lands, you know. So I really love um, southern Utah, Narches and Zion. Like those places are fantastic. I don't ski, I don't snowboard, and since I'm a family man, I don't get, like, I I don't go up to Park City with friends and have beers or whatever. I just, uh, although Park City's rad. Yeah. I love that place. But, yeah, I mean, if I was, if if somebody came here, I'd be like, look, bring bring some gear. We're going to go to southern Utah, and we're going to look at some stuff.
0: What about any, uh, do you have any favorite local eating spots? I love
1: Taqueria 27 downtown,
0: but it's because they have this
1: taco that is meat and mashed potatoes, which you don't ever get on a taco, but it's not on their menu. You have to get lucky.
0: Yeah, I was going to say which I haven't really heard helps. that one. I haven't heard.
1: Oh, it's so good! It's the first, It's the best thing I've ever eaten. Um, I'm so good, there's I'm mashed
0: potatoes inside of it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Is it's it's like uh, Angus beef,
0: yeah.
1: like on top, like really tender on on top of a bed of like buttery mashed potatoes and uh, tortilla. In a tortilla taco format.
0: (laughs) Okay. Okay. You've you've intrigued me. It's so good.
1: If you follow them on Instagram, um, you can – sometimes you'll get lucky. Like, our special today is the the meat and mashed potatoes. And if that ever happens, go down there. But I'm kind of easy. I love R&R barbecue. Um, I love Tsunami. Um, And there's actually a place in Lehigh where all three of those restaurants are within, like, stone's throw of each other. Um, but I used to work down there and so I ate everywhere. I, I I liked J dogs. Um, where else did we eat? I don't know when it comes to food, people say, my friends have told me I don't have any respect for food. <laughs> you don't I,
0: have respect for food.
1: Yeah. I had a friend who's like, dude, you don't respect food. Like I do. I'm like, what are you talking about? And I think it's just cause I, I just will kind of go whatever and eat whatever. I'm not the guy to ask, but the places that I do like, I really love
0: and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you know, you got you to gotta support the places you love. What about would you change anything about Salt Lake City if you could? Um, and however you want to interpret that, you know, is fine. <laughs> I don't know. Is there anything you would change about the, the area or the valley?
1: So I, I kind of like that you can walk around Salt Lake in the daytime or the evening and, and there's not a ton of people. I have this weird like uh, like post-apocalypse dream of like, I just want to be able to pop into a post-apocalyptic world and walk around where there's nobody or nothing for like a week and then leave. And this might sound terrible, but you can get that in Salt Lake a little bit. And then there's times where I really wish you could get people to come outside. Like uh, I really like – so behind the Eccles Center, that little walkway, oh, uh, excellent place to eat at is Pretty Bird. That place is oh, so yeah. freaking love that place. So I forgot what that street is called. What's it called? That has pretty word uh, on it. Uh yeah.
0: my mind is blank. I know I'm visualizing it, but my mind is blank.
1: Totally. But you know what I'm talking about. Like yeah. that's a cool, that's a cool place. And in the 80s, like you could go downtown. Like it was so we would go <clears throat> to the Marriott that was across the street from the Salt Palace with basketball cards. And whoever was playing, we would just bring those cards and like, wait for them to come out to go practice for the game with their autographs. And that's like the eighties. Salt Lake was kind of uh, like people were outside and doing stuff. And I wish whatever that street is called, usually there's people on it. My point in bringing up the best of things, I wish that it could kind of go back to that where you get folks on the street, you know, where like you're walking down the streets of Salt Lake and you're like, wow, there's a lot of people out right now, but we got the big old blocks. So that's the one thing I would change. Like Brigham Young's thing of like, we want to be able to do U-turns with horse and carriage. I get it. That's fine. Like for the time, but what it's created are these massive blocks. And if you go to a place like Portland, like, like, wow, we just walked like 15 blocks. And I saw so many cool stores and it was really awesome. Whereas in Utah to walk 15 blocks, you walk like five blocks and there's just not many people outside. There used to be this really cool club up from Struck, where my friend Tosh Brown. Do you know Tosh Brown? I don't think so. It's funny because I, I had lunch with that guy almost every day for six years, and every single time we went to lunch, he would see a new person. It's like, what's up, Tosh? She's a designer at Struck, best designer I've ever met.
0: Okay, well, it sounds like somebody I should get to know.
1: Actually, you should interview that guy. He is—he's uh, he's,
0: Tosh Brown. Oh, you said.
1: Yeah, Tosh Brown. He works at Struck. There's nobody like him. Uh, he used to play at this club that's on the corner. Damn it, I can't remember the corner. Well, it's been closed down for years. And it's like, get that place up and running. Throw some more shops in here that young kids want to go to. Like, Randy's Records is like, if the, there's one of them. Get some more record stores down here. Like, Salt Lake has all of these places for commerce that could pull people in. And I just want them to be a little more appealing so that young kids want to go down there so there's more people on the street. That's what I would
0: change. Before we uh, wrap this up, I want to touch on your podcast. You do a podcast. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about that, uh, what the name of it is, what it's about, and and uh, whatnot. What, what, what's the name of the podcast you do?
1: It is called the Closer and Closer Podcast. And the reason why is because the representation agency that... I'm a part of that I'm an artist on the roster, is uh, of which I'm an artist on the roster, is called Closer and Closer, okay, which is a a play on on Drew, the founder's commission um, statement uh, to bring uh, artists closer and closer to their potential as become as becoming great artists. So we just called the Closer and Closer podcast, and me and on uh, Andrea Madriz, who's half my age which is really funny cause it makes for some really great misunderstandings between generations. Um, we interview artists on, on the roster and it's great because they're from all over the world, man. And I can't say, I always mess up their names, but it is so cool to talk to somebody who has a completely different perspective and upbringing. Um, and we just, we just chat about their art and life and, kind of whatever comes up and artists, as you know, you're kind of doing the same thing, right? Like, Oh yeah. You're
0: collecting the stories here from the area. yeah, of people that are doing cool things here in the, in the Valley.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's, and, and you, I, I, I can only guess that you you've been like fulfilled in, in a way that you would not have expected when you first started it.
0: Oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't keep doing the podcast if I wasn't, you know?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. It's kind of,
0: it. it's, it's opened up some interesting doors and, and, uh, I've met some cool people doing it.
1: Yeah. You know, like I, I saw your Instagram page and how many followers you had and then some of the people you're interviewing and just for anyone listening, I, I hit you up. I was like, dude, I want to be on your podcast. And <laughs> here we are. Um, so, so yeah, it's kind of a similar thing. It just uh, talk, interview artists and, and, uh, and occasionally we will, uh, you should come on the podcast. We talk to other people also who are doing,
0: just let me know. I'd love to, I'd love to be part. Yeah. Excellent.
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's really cool. It's, it's fun. I uh, like you, I've enjoyed it way more than I thought I would.
0: Awesome. And that's a closer and closer podcast, which, um, however you're listening to this podcast, I would imagine you could subscribe to that one. So go check that out. Yep. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of people are always looking for new podcasts to listen to and, and that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at, I'm looking through some of the titles of it uh, here on Spotify, and I mean, you got some great, uh, some great topics that have been covered on that podcast.
1: Yeah, for sure, and and that always is just through an organic conversation, and yeah, some some artists are more reserved, some are, are, are way more open. Um, but all of them, we all end up with like a you know a pen or a brush in our hand. <laughs> but how we get there is always wildly different.
0: How can our, how can listeners of I am salt Lake get in touch with you, Dave, if they want to, uh, maybe hire you or just say hello or anything. Yeah. I mean, what's the best way to do that?
1: Luckily I've secured all my socials as Dave arcade. So on Instagram, I'm Dave arcade Twitter. I'm actually Dave underscore arcade. Um, what other, I think those are my main socials. And then, um, I, I don't do like Facebook and stuff. Uh, smart guy, smart guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, uh, if you want to look at my work, You can go to closerandcloser.co and and, uh, just go to Artists and find Dave Arcade. Or you can go to Behance, which is kind of a deeper dive on my work and search for Dave Arcade. You could go to DaveArcade.com, but I haven't updated it in three years.
0: All right. Many thanks to Dave Arcade for joining me on this episode of the podcast. Go connect with Dave, say hello. I put all the links at uh, IamSaltLake.com slash 555. That's for episode 555. Go connect with him, say hello, uh, and uh, yeah, let him know you heard him on the podcast. Hey, are you part of our Facebook group yet? I want to make sure that all the listeners of this podcast are part of the I Am Salt Lake community. All you have to do is head on over to Facebook, do a search for I Am Salt Lake community, and uh, join us. There's over like 2,100 members in the group. We're talking about the podcast. We're talking about Utah. We're talking about events going on in Utah, like the 10-year anniversary podcast, uh, live podcast recording of I Am Salt Lake that's happening on August 11th at Title One. So you're going to want to make sure to write that on your calendar, and I would love to see you there. But make sure you're part of the I Am Salt Lake community. Just head on over to Facebook, do a search for I Am Salt Lake community, and uh, join us. All right, and uh, that's going to do it for this episode of I Am Salt Lake. Make sure you're subscribed in whatever podcast app you listen to podcasts in, and I'll see you on the next episode. Bye now.